Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Thank you. Um, take a seat before you hurt yourself. You better sit down. All the, all the good-looking people should get out of my way. That's you, mate. I've run out of daughters. I've got granddaughters coming though, I'll tell you what. Are you married? You got a girlfriend? Let's talk. How old's Riley, Susie? 14? She looks 16 though. And she'll soon be 18. Don't even talk to her till she's 30 though. And all the fathers said. <laughs> oh man, alive, how good looking are you? I tell you what, where do the ugly people go to church? There's got to be a Presbyterian church somewhere. Oh, wow. I can take this off up here, correct? Yeah. And uh, normally I have to wear a bag. (laughs) I mean, this pandemic's been good for me. I've been from the bag just to a mask. Uh, My mother, I'm one of 12 kids. Um, We're a bit traditional. We only have one dad and one mum. But but my mother used to say about me, she said, uh, Steve only has two speeds, on and moron. I thought it was a compliment for a very long time. Hey, listen, coming to church is good. Look, you, you find all sorts of stuff. It's just brilliant. Yeah, hello. You lost it. It's mine now. It's got my surname in it. So it's uh, excellent. I've got a brother named Phil. And I already introduced Phil to Phil. And, but I didn't tell Phil that we were going to meet Phil. That was a really cool day. You can have that back. I was just testing your motives and attitude. All right. You're lucky I didn't put it in the offering. I was going to. All right. What are you doing? You're back. You want a girlfriend? <laughs> it's all right. I've got four granddaughters. Okay. Well, we're not here for long, so we better, we better go for it. Is it okay if we just take a minute to find out? Um, you're working out whether you like me, but it's a reciprocating thing, so it's all good. And uh, I've pretty well decided. Honey, um, just stand for a moment. Um, this is my wife, Susie. And... Um, all right, and uh, have we got a we got a photo of Susie's first boyfriend? I think um, have we got a photo of her first? Bo- I wasn't her first boyfriend. Um, her first boyfriend is um, on the screen. It's the four-legged one. Um, it, that's it. So when I met him, I thought I think I got a shot. <laughs> I think I got a shot. And um, that's how old were you there? You were seventeen. Where's that guy's trying to marry off to one of my family? This is what they look like, mate. Oh, I tell you. Susie is about 18 or 19 years of age. Um, that's her boyfriend, Mr. Ed, and uh, good-looking fella. Uh, but I got her drunk once and asked her to marry me. She said yes, and I thought we won't ask twice, that's for sure. Um, listen, I've got a couple of photos I'll show you. Um, I don't even know what order in. Just put, put one up and I'll, I'll explain it. Uh, okay, that's, that's my man-child. That's Andy. Andy's 27. And he is um, our fourth child. I had three daughters, then we stopped. Now, don't forget, I'm one of 12 kids. So when we got married, Susie said, how many kids do you want? I said, I'm one of 12. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Just keep them coming. You know, uh, Pastor Phil, um, I don't know how how this will go, but I've always grown up believing I was one of 12 kids. And that's a very, like, definitive, you know, number. But my dad left 
my mum when I was about 11. And so my mum had 11 children still at home. Um, for all the mums here, uh, my mum had 12 kids in 16 years. So um, that's, that's working hard. And so when my um, youngest sister, who was about 12 months old, that's when my dad left our family. So it's, it's only in later life I realised I'm only one of 12 because he went. I could have been one of 44 because indeed he had more children when he left. And I'm not speaking bad about my dad, by the way. Um, we live in a very complicated world, don't we? And stuff happens. He's now gone to the next life. And so, uh, oh, here we go. This is our clan. I'm not going to name them all. But um, the big guy on, the, on your right, um, he's six foot five. That's Bud. Um, he'll be with us next week. And um, his wife is in front. Um, that's Renee. She is, honey, 36 35, something like that. And um, so that's their... Uh, am I allowed to say she's our IVF granddaughter? That's our IVF granddaughter that they're holding. And um, you'll meet Renee next week. Um, well, some of you, you, you. If you don't like me, you're not going to be here. But those who come back will, because I'm bringing this couple with me. She is about to have her second child. Um, gee, IVF, they're expensive, aren't they? I tell you what... And um, so she's huge. She's got about a couple of weeks to go. And by the way, um, ladies, our first child was nine pounds, seven and a half. And that was our smallest. So they all went up from there. Um, what was the next one? Now, all the men can be impressed because I know this stuff. Now, our second child was nine pound, ten. Our third child was ten pound, four. And I said, let's keep going. Let's break some records. <laughs> but Susie said, that's it. That's enough. And so we stopped. And then five years later, um, we had our fourth child, Andy, who you met before, and he's in the back. Here's my girls. That's Rachel on this side. She's the one with the earring in her nose and a few tattoos as well. I told my kids you can get tattoos whenever you like. As long as you don't want to be in the will, get as many as you like. And uh, so if you and I can keep this little secret, she's got a couple of them, and her dad thinks they're pretty cute, but I preach against them, so I can't tell her that but they do look pretty cool. And uh, then Rebecca beside her, she is, um, Rachel, how old is she? 32. Then Rebecca is 38. Um, that daughter next is, uh, can I tell them? Susie is 62. And um, that's born in 1862. And, uh, and then, of course, we've got Renee there. Oh, I'm coming home to your place for lunch. I don't think I'm going to get to mine. And then Renee, who I talked about before. So we've got Rebecca, Renee and Rachel. Um, or if you're in our family, we've got Chuck, Buddy and Harry. All right, that's who they are. Okay, what have we got next? All right. And another generation begins. And uh, this is Isla. Now, her name is Isla Stevie. And we've had a chat. She doesn't like Isla. She wants to be called Stevie. And I've got that on good authority. So we'll call her Stevie. Um, and she's the newest. She's, uh, how old is she, gorgeous? Not, not a year. Just a few months old. And she's already gooing and going. Have we got any more? Can I tell you? that um, the photo before is where they are and then, come on, and some of you our age, you know this, you go like that and then they're this age. All right. She's 38 years old. She's um, preaching in the service down at Champions Church today. This is our eldest daughter. Her and her husband, Grant, are our associates. I don't like him, by the way, because he's uh, sleeping with my daughter. But... Um, <sighs> 
come on, we've got some dads here, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, no, it's not like, you know, it's not like we mildly dislike them. No, we hate them. All right. Uh, but they have given me three immaculate conceptions. How good is that? So uh, um, have we got any more? Is that it? Uh, I'm not very technological, so I just sent some photos and said, see what you can do. All right. So Susie, you know, how long have we been married? 42 years. 42 years this um, November. November the 10th. I'm just trying to... Impress all the guys. I know all of my girls' birthdays and uh, all their birth weights, and it's pretty cool, isn't it? And now, this thing about motorbikes in Vietnam, I want to know what sort of motorbikes they are, Phil, because I might just become a missionary in Vietnam. Are they like, they're not the sort of motorbikes I would like to ride? They're not, like posty bikes. Okay, we'll leave that alone then. That's all right. Has anyone here got a motorbike? Put your hand up if you've got a motorbike. It's good. It's good. Yeah, good. Okay, um, keep your hand up if it's over 1,000 cc's. Oh. Oh, yes. You've got... Are you serious? Oh, you want one. That's all right. Well, if I can get that wallet back off pasta, you'll have one tomorrow because, mate, he's rich. He's loaded. Um, I'll tell you about my first girlfriend. My first girlfriend was cross-eyed. It didn't last long because we couldn't see eye to eye. I was totally convinced she was seeing someone else on the side. <laughs> All right. You just turn to your neighbour and say, hey, buddy, Father's Day's over. <laughs> you have to keep that one for next year. Hey, um, I saw a sticker on a car on Friday. Um, I do ride a motorbike and I go to Somerset Dam every Friday and um, just sit there. Solitude is good for you. It's a good leadership practice. And so I, I got a little um, tent fly, I set up in the trees, I take my chair, it's a BMW, um, I think it's called a, an adventure bike, a GS1200, among others. And what have I got? That's the only motorbike I've got, Susie, isn't it? Oh. And uh, anyway, I was on that. But when I came home, I did a round loop, I visited a friend of mine in Kabulcha, and then come over the Gateway Bridge, and I saw a sticker on a car, and this is what it said. It said, is that the truth? Or did you read it in the Courier Mail? <laughs> Am I right? And so in this pulpit, we encourage you to check out what's said week by week. And I've not compared notes with Pastor Phil, um, or Dr. Phil, I, I understand. But I will tell you this, you check it out. You go and get your Bible and dust it off if you have to. And you see if what's being preached here is in the Word of God. Is that good? Because we need to preach the Word of God. We, some of us, look at me, I'm talking, you've got to get back to the Bible. You've got to start with that in the morning. And um, you'll be doing a lot better from the get-go. So we're going to do a lesson today. Um, we're talking about relationships a bit, but I, I want to talk about um, the Ten Commandments. Turn to your neighbour and say, yes, they're not ten suggestions. <laughs> they're the ten commandments. But before I do it, let me just give you this illustration. I was in a motorbike shop in a famous street in the city of Logan called Moss Street. There used to be a sticker that said, where the hell is Moss Street? Um, because every single reference point for that city was from Moss Street. And, um, but it's full of motorbike shops these days. And I was in one of them um, on a weekday and talking to the sales guy. And he said this to me. He said, um, what, what do you, how do you get to have a day off today? And um, I said, gosh, I married Rich. And, uh, and he, he looked at me and I said, okay, let's do it differently. 
I will give you $5,000 if you can guess what I do for work. And um, now look at this face. I have never once um, had someone say to me, you're a Christian, aren't you? Some of you have got angelic faces. I just have more, more like chopper reed. And so uh, I've never quite got that. So I knew he wouldn't guess. And so he's um, wondering whether or not I'm a fly-in, fly-out worker or whatever I was. Uh, till eventually I said, listen, I'll give you five grand um, if you can guess what I do. And um, he couldn't. So finally I said, I'm a pastor. And to that, he used a word that rhymes with... Well, I'm not even going to say the word that it rhymes with because you'll think of the word, but it starts with F. And, uh, but we'll just say it starts with W to distract you. But that's what he said. And, and, and I said, okay. And then he said this. He said, I don't believe that C-R-A-P. And I said this to him. I said, oh, cool. Tell me your creed then. And he was, you know, 45-ish. He said, I tell my kids you should treat people the way you want to be treated. I said, brilliant, Matthew 7, 12, mate. It's called the golden rule in some quarters. And he said, get out. And that's what he did. He's gone, get out. And I said, tell me what else you do. He said, I believe in karma. Whatever you do comes back to you. I said, fabulous. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, given, it will be given. He said, double you me. And he's like hiding under the desk now in case someone thinks he's a Bible person. Let me look at me. If it's good and if it works, it's in the Bible. I don't care who's saying it or who's... I had um, the mayor of the city I used to pastor in, a man named John Freeman, a friend at that time. And John came and he preached in our pulpit after he became the mayor of the city. And uh, I said, John, I'd love you to come and share with with the people. Um, um, and we'd love to pray for you. So he came and he, he talked to us about his five-point vision for the city. And he began to mention it. And then at the end of it, he said, look, I didn't come up with it myself. Some guys in Chicago got together in a hotel and came up with it. So I got up sheepishly afterwards and said, John, with respect to the five guys in Chicago, they didn't come up with looking after widows and orphans. It's in James 1.27, mate. He just preached pure Bible. Because look at me, if it's good, if it works, it's in the book. That's where it comes from. So, and I've said that to say this, or so you understand my um, unpacking here, we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. But if, if, in doing so, I want to broaden it slightly. Because um, I believe that you can apply them to almost every area of life. In fact, countries have um, developed their entire legal system um, off this. If, with that as the trunk, and they've allowed it to go. In, in, in fact, the first five books of the Bible make up a vast part of our Westminster legal system. All right? And so... Uh, um, so let me, let me give you the Ten Commandments, but I want to apply them to relationships. And now relationships is a very, very broad term. And I don't want to ostracise parts of the audience, but I'm going to um, primarily use it... uh, Well, let me ask, who's married? Who would like to be married? Where's that guy that was up here playing the bass? (laughs) Let me ask you, who's married? 
Okay, so I'm gonna, if you'll allow me, sometimes we have a youth service. I want to talk to that sort of demographic, but if you'll appreciate that, that we'll broaden it slightly if we can. We're not going to have time for all 10 commandments, so tell your neighbour, thank the Lord for that. <laughs> we might just get three, maybe four of them out this morning, so you're going to have some homework to see how they might go. But this will help in employer-employee relationships. Um, parent to children type relationships. And, uh, but here are the Ten Commandments. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. That's what he says. Number two, you shall not make any graven image. Number three, remember to keep the Lord's day holy. All right, number four, honour your father and your mother. In Ephesians, that's expanded to say, if you do that, you'll live a long time. And if you had my mother, you know that to be the truth. I tell you. Um, number five, how do you like this one? And we're going to relate this to marriage. Don't kill. Now, grandchildren, by the way, are God's reward for not killing your own children, I've been told. And um, I didn't believe it till I had grandkids, and we do have six, seven in a month. Um, the sixth one, you shall not commit adultery. And that has caused a terrible amount, um, a great deal of trouble. Look, can I say this as well, just so you're totally relaxed? I'm not a prophet. Well, I am, but I'm shutting that off today. So I don't know who you are, don't know what you've done, and I'm not interested for the next half an hour. So you're anonymous. It's all good. Relax and um, see what God wants to say to you. Number seven, don't steal. A lot of people steal in their identity off somebody else. I'm not saying steal in their credit cards. I'm talking about parents trying to live their dreams through their children or an insecure husband um, trying to get off on how gorgeous his wife is. Get your own identity, mate. There's one for you. You look good as you. You look awful as somebody else. All right? I've said that because we're not going to get that far. Number eight, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. That's a great point, Pastor Phil. We're not going to get time to get to number eight, but that's a really good one for talking about how to have good fights. Whether you're brother or sister, um, put your hand up if you're married and you've never had a fight because you should be preaching. In fact, you should be flying around the room. No doubt about it. And um, Susie and I have been married 42 years. Have we fought today yet? I don't think we fought today because we've been wearing masks here. And we said, <laughs> no, I said to her on the way, I said, listen, we've got to preach on marriage and we've got to pretend it's all together. So let's not fight for the first couple of hours. <laughs> all right, I've offended you on the way here. My driving offends you. Um, well, I'll give you a clue. I'm... I'm at a, a, um, a roundabout one day when our 38-year-old daughter was two. And we're at a roundabout. Now, I don't know the guy in front of you like a Volvo with a wide-brimmed hat. Till finally, from the back seat, the car seat, the two-year-old, this is what we hear, move it, meathead. <laughs> and I, I just looked at Susie and said, see what you do. See what you do. They just repeat everything you say. So, um, uh, you shall not covet your neighbour's wife. Look, I can't see out there, so you might be this person, but you know the, the, the lady that gets out of the Range Rover, the white slacks, and I think, I think oh, Jesus. And I think that's just too expensive for me. <laughs> just, just relax. It's good where we come from. And number 10, you shall not covet your neighbour's goods. This is what they say about us. We spend uh, a lot of money that we don't have to buy a whole lot of things we don't need to impress a whole lot of people we don't like. <laughs> Just chill. 
you were looking at a man that is married for 42 years in our modern world. I'm, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here, Pastor Phil. We have four houses. We came here in a BMW. I've got two Harleys. Um, I've got a Z1300 1981 model retro six-cylinder Kawasaki. It's phenomenal, 120 horsepower back in 1981. A BMW 1200, a Yamaha 1000, a Honda 250. Oh, I've got another one in there somewhere. I've got a Holden Ute, a Ford Ute. Um, I've got a caravan, a couple of trailers. Um, I've got a half-acre property with seven bedrooms, a four-bedroom property with a couple of things. Two houses in Cleveland were about to turn into three. Look at me. We've had one wage for the entire time we've been married. And I don't get social security because God told me to go and tell him I don't want it 25 years ago. I have never told another soul to do that because God told me to do it. He didn't tell me to preach and tell everyone else to do it. He just told me I had to go. Remember this, Hunt? We made an appointment, went down to the social security place. We're getting about $400 a week because we had, you know, a gaggle of kids and one wage. And we said, we don't, we just, we don't want to get your money. And they looked at us like you're growing drugs in your garage or something. They had the dog squad there by lunchtime. But God talked to us. And so when, when I say don't cover your neighbour's goods, God, I'm simply saying God's got a better plan for you. I'm serious. Now, I'm not, I'm not glorying in all that stuff. I'm just sort of saying that because that appeals to our finiteness. But how could you do that? I am an accountant's anomaly. I just don't work. I'll tell you one thing I've never done since the first day I got a job as an apprentice chef. I have never not brought 10% of what I earn and brought it to the Lord and said, God, you told me to return this and you told me if I do, you will open the windows of heaven and you will pour me out a blessing I cannot contain. So for this past 50 years, I've never missed a week of doing that. I'll tell you that, that is the truth. I got Christians for crying out loud, the government's taken 50% of your wages and telling you they're going to build you a good kingdom and they're not doing a very good job. And God saves you, sorry, what's it from hell? And he says, I'll build your kingdom on 10%. And what? We can't stump up for that? I promise you, Dr. Phil did not ask me to say that. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to cover your neighbour's goods if you just honour the Lord and put him first in everything that you do. Because he said, seek first the kingdom of God, do it with integrity, and everything you've ever wanted will be added to your life. I like that. Right, let's go for it. Here's the first one. So you're happy. I've given you a few minutes to decide whether, whether we're going to get on. I've decided I like you. You look fantastic. So here's the first one. Now, again, let's talk marriage, but let's, let's broaden it because you may be a single person. You may be wanting to get on with a boss or you, you, you've got an estrangement with a son. And I know that I'm telling the truth here. We've got some dads here having talked to kids for a little while. That's not, that's God, I'm not saying it's your, you're responsible for that, but God wants to heal that. And I'll pray for that before we finish. Here's the first one. You shall have no other gods before me. It seems to me that God knew you'd have a choice. I meet a lot of people that feel like they're stuck with their family. You're stuck with this woman, you know, or she, she was the only one for you. you. Wake up and smell the coffee. There's a plethora of choice. And once you realise that, you're empowered. You're not stuck, 
You've choose, you've chosen. Was it uh, Donnie and Marie, honey, 1974? Um, I'm only asking because I was not born, but you were there. And um, <laughs> Susie is 62, I am 60. All right, so, which is normally she wears leopard print or cougar print. <laughs> Come on, you, you already know she's a lucky woman, isn't she? <laughs> I'm, this social distancing is saving my bacon, I can tell you. But um, I think it was 1974, honey. Tell me for a minute. There was a girl, there was a boy. Remember that song? Um, and uh, what's the chorus say? Oh, um, they never met, they never kissed. Why not? Because she lived on the morning side of the mountain And he lived on the twilight side of the hill Hey, they should have got out more Because there's a lot more fish in the ocean There's eight billion of them out there um, do, do you know that I am attracted to more women than just my wife? Well, we've got to be, we've got, see, if you're going to get helped, you've got to be grown up. The power of my marriage does not exist because this woman is the only one for me and I couldn't have got anyone else and she couldn't have got anyone else. The power of our relationship and the power of your relationship is that you choose every single day to make this woman the only one for me. Or if the only reason your wife's at home is because you chained her to the sink or you've kept her poor or emotionally abused or whatever other reason, then you know and don't need me to tell you there's no power or strength in your relationship. The strength of... Look, marriage is not a half plus a half equals one. That's maths. <laughs> marriage is a miracle because it's one plus one equals one. That's the power of, of the relationship that, that, you know, God wants each and every one of us to have. But this first commandment, simply what it tells me, now you can expand this to the relationship you have with your job. You're not stuck in your job. You choose to be in your job. And once you realise you've got the choices and you're making them, you grow an extra leg, mate. You put your shoulders back. Someone said to me, you'll get the job you love when the love you love the job you get. It's just a matter of getting this attitude right, um, that I am not stuck in this, um, I have choices in this, and the strength of what I have is because I choose. So every single morning, I've got to be careful what I say here, um, so let me just see if I can run this through a filter. I had a guy come to me. I'm not making any prejudicial statements about this. This was just how it worked. What I'm telling you now happened some 30 years ago. I had a fellow come to me. He's a father of some children, married to a nice woman, but he's had a romantic relationship um, with a boy. And so he's come to me because it's, it's a bother to him. And he says this to me um, as he, he made the appointment. I did not seek him out. He sought me out and said, I want to talk to you about something I'm working through. And um, so this man married to a woman with some beautiful children who's had a romantic liaison with a, a, a boy, a boy of age, by the way, not a boy, um, 
but a boy compared to what he was, uh, a toy boy. And he's, he's told me about, you know, I have no choice um, because the, my, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure we keep it totally G-rated, but, you know, the, the, the power running through my body is so strong, you know, as it is with people like me. I said, mate, are you trying to suggest I don't have that power? You're trying to suggest that you got like three phase and I'm like a battery. Because I'm not buying it, mate. I'm ready to go now. I said, so let's not talk about the problem you want to talk to me about. We'll do that tomorrow if you want to. Let's talk about something way before that. And that's your integrity. Because you made a decision at an altar and you said, for better and for worse, I choose you. And you have broken that promise. I don't care if you broke it to a chicken. You broke the promise. I have to get up every single day and look myself in the mirror and say, I made a promise. And whether I make a promise to God, I make a promise to the workplace, I make a promise to the woman I decided to walk beside, I make a promise to come home on time to take my boy to soccer training, whatever it is, I have to keep my promises. I have got choices and I choose them. He didn't want to have a second appointment. But that's the truth of it. God knew you'd have a choice. And so you need to wake up tomorrow morning or you need to go to bed tonight. Um, I try to do this and, and I'm only holding the microphones. I don't think I'm the smartest person in the room, for, for, believe me. Um, I feel incredibly honoured by Pastor Phil and Krista to be given these few moments. But because I've got it, um, I had a fellow say to me many years ago, till you've raised kids to 20, you've got nothing to say. Now, I had plenty to say before 20, but no one wanted to listen. Now I've got a 38, 36, 33 and 27. Um, I'm just starting to talk a little. Now that I've been married 40 years and I'm still sleeping in the same bed, although it's getting bigger. I need border control to let me go over there these days. Remember when you had a little tiny bed when you got married? We got this king-size bed. I need a visa. Or a sh- oh, I need to get vaccinated just to visit the other side of the bed. It's like another country, mate. <laughs> Stand up if I'm lying, hun. We sleep in the same room. Have we ever slept in separate rooms? Can I tell, can I tell the truth? Um, when we got married, we used to fight. I was 18 when we got married, prepubescent. That means shaved once a year, applied milk and let the cat lick it off. I was a very bombastic, insecure, from a broken family kid. I was not a nice person. And Susie and I would have fights and so she'd come, she'd come from a, a family of just a couple of kids, um, beautiful mum and dad, loved each other till they died. Mum's 97, still alive, dad's gone to heaven. But I remember Susie had stormed out because she couldn't stand me anymore. And I said, I don't care where you're going to sleep, mate. I'm coming. (laughs) We aren't going to start this. And I didn't do it right. I did the right thing very much past to feel the wrong way. So Susie would go out to the lounge. So I'd just go out there and lie on the lounge too. And, you know... Until she got uncomfortable with it and said, I said, you can stay here. It's a lot more comfortable back on that bed. 
And from that day till this, that's what we've done. So the first thing is this. Um, you have a choice. You need to look at that woman you're married to, look at that man you're married to, or look at those kids you've got and say, man, you're brilliant. You're absolutely brilliant. I love that you're in my family. Here's the second thing. Um, it says, you shall not make any graven images. You know what this is. This is a, traditionally, these are like statues that people bow down to. And um, I don't want to pay out on Mary um, at all, but there's a part of the Christian tradition. And I'm, I'm definitely tre- treading very softly here because I love all parts of the body of Christ. But some of us may think they've made a bigger deal of um, Mary instead of Jesus, just like some people are making a bigger deal of the vax in Jesus. They'll carry a placard about anti-vax, but I haven't seen them carry a placard to say, give your heart to Jesus. Try that. That'll work a lot better. And uh, do you know the last thing Mary ever says in the Bible? The last recorded words that Mary ever speaks in the Bible is at the wedding in Cana, where she says to the servants, do whatever he says. That's like a woman handing on the relay baton and saying, I'm out now, it's all him. Yeah, last recorded words. But when, when we talk about a marriage... Um, or relationships, and this works with kids too, is uh, when I met Susie, she was a cashier for the electric company. Remember when it used to be called Sequeb? All right, so Susie used to work for Sequeb, and so she'd take people's money. Um, She's Scottish, by the way, so it came naturally to her to be taking people's money. This is the... Seriously, this is the land of short arms and deep pockets. (laughs) So when I said before I married rich, I was telling you the absolute truth. i got to give a receipt for a wheat bix, but it's a small price to pay to be loaded. All right. um, And what was I, honey? I told you before I I was an apprentice chef. Well, when I met Susie, I was a second-year apprentice boilermaker. Um, I used to um, repair ships, and I did finish that trade. So I was a second-year apprentice. So when she bought in to hanging out with this guy and marrying this guy, he went to work at 7.30. He came home at 4 o'clock. He was home every single night of the week. And um, I married a girl that went out and, uh, and look at us now. In fact, our life is at a, at a point now where a lot of marriages do not survive, apparently, because we have hit what's called the kidless stage We've been on our own now for seven years without children in the house. And I tell you what, I'd have kicked them out earlier if I'd have known how much fun it was. Man, alive. Seriously. We're paying $500 a week for food. Get rid of them. It's all just fantastic. Eating out at cafes, restaurants, driving BMWs. It's a wonderful thing. There's got to be somewhere you can drop your kids off 10 years earlier. But apparently, a lot of couples get to this age and they look across the table and forgive me, but it's like, who are you? And you're not the woman I married. Do you know in Bible times, it was not unusual for a man to have three liaisons with a woman. He would have a, a wife to bear respectable children. He would have a mistress for fun and he would visit a temple prostitute just for what he called daily cleansing. Life changes. And there was a time, believe it or not, when I was actually slim 
I, my muscles are scared of heights now, but they, they were <laughs> phenomenal. I could, I, there was a time I could open jars. But the Bible says don't make a graven image, which means allow the flexibility. When I married my wife, she was a very shy girl who had a job as a cashier. She's now a grandmother. She runs a business with our eldest daughter, manufacturing baby goods and selling them all over the world. And um, she's been a pastor of a large church and a not-so-large church now. And, And it's all changed. And so you've got to have this elasticity in you. Um, look, think about your kids. Uh, our first daughter, this is our first daughter when she, was, when she was naughty. And she'd just close her eyes, throw her lip out, lie down and go to sleep. So we thought, this parenting's easy, isn't it? So we had our second daughter. And so I just gave her the look, the old. And she just gave me the two fingers straight back. She's like 18 months old. She's like, who do you think you are, mate? And it's like, well, I beat the last kid, I'm going to beat you. No, you can't have a graven image. You've got to have a flexibility about how you do things if you're going to survive um, this race together. And um, they say, they say when a woman gets married, she enters the aisle. Is this this traditional? The woman comes in, you know, on her dad's arm. And and when she gets to there, she sees three things. She sees the aisle, she sees the altar, and she sees him. And that becomes her mantra, aisle, altar, him. <laughs> but you've got to leave him alone, mate. Okay, you're, yeah, all right, yeah. They get it quicker in some parts, like Logan. <laughs> but you've got to leave, leave her alone, mate. When, when Susie met me, I had failed year nine twice. I did not finish year 10. I did not have a Zach. I did not have a whisker. Um, I was as thick as a brick. You're looking at me then, and what's changed? <laughs> the whiskers. But you've got to allow a flexibility in the relationship as it goes forward if it's to survive. If you're still beating your kid and he's 20 years of age, I'd suggest you, you better find a different way, mate. You've made a graven image about how to discipline. I'm a parent. I'm just going to say this. I will never forget the last time, and I'm old school, so we used to give a bit of the paddle, you know. Um, we're not, we say beat. I don't mean beat them, you know, like no headshots, <laughs> you know. But we used to... I don't even know what your political thing is. I used to tell them to put their hand out and smack it because it was loud, didn't hurt, and there was no bruising. Right now, of course, every six-year-old has the number of a social worker. It's a difficult... I mean, God forbid we, we do anything to produce really good citizens out of these kids these days. But um, I remember the last time I disciplined my child, every, all four of them. And Pastor Phil, I don't know if you'll catch this, but... It's like the last time I did it, I remember it because it no longer was discipline, it was humiliation. Because they, they had, I had to find a different way to sort of... You can't have a graven image and you can't... Look at me, for crying out loud, I used to have flowing locks. I'm, I'm going thin under... This is a tube. <laughs> the third one is this. 
Remember to keep the Lord's day holy. It's called a Sabbath. Have you got a Sabbath in your relationship where you're still working seven days a week, 12 hours a day to get money that you don't have, to buy things you don't need, to impress people you don't like? I I promise you, there is a group of people in this day and age that I think are going to find a simpler way to live because I think it's still an option. I left a church pastor, Phil, after 27 years. Do you know how many holidays I was owed? None. Because every single year we have a Sabbath. And we take the church I took on, and I'm being very delicate here. The church I took on after three years of resigning the first one, the church I took on, the pastor was owed 45 weeks of holidays. And I'm being very careful, very careful. But I, and I'm being very tender. But the story about his children is one he wished was different. Susie, what do we do on the first Monday of every month? That's a day we go out. All right. That's a Sabbath in your marriage. Come on, put your hand. Have you got a favourite cafe? When's the last time you went there? Have you been there in the last month? Have you got a... Do you know every single week, every single year, we do two weeks holidays with all four of our adult children who get their holidays at the same time because it all started back from when they were little tiny kids. We don't go to the Maldives. We go to Pottsville. But we've been going to Pottsville before it was boutique We've been going there for 35 years. Now, here's the clue. You start camping, if we're dead set honest, you start camping because you haven't got a Zach. In fact, they say camping is spending money like a millionaire to live like a pauper. Well, that's camping for you. And so we started camping because we didn't have any. We used to, am I telling you, we borrowed a tent. We borrowed a trailer to put the tent in. Everything we had, we borrowed but you end up with stuff, so now our kids are at a point where they don't have any money. Guess what they do? They go camping. So every single Christmas, now this is all falls into the Sabbath. God said, you've got six days to work. Now I want to be flexible with that, to simply say there has to be room in your relationship to breathe if it's to flourish and survive. You know, I used to come home from golf and my son would say, Dad, you smell like camping. And I, I didn't know what he meant until I realised it. it was sunscreen. It was, his, it was his distinct connection. When I finished the first church I pastored for 27 years, I went travelling for three years. And so I, my son did not like golf. He was 14. And so I decided I would not play golf. So I bought a boat. And we used to go to Somerset all the time, wakeboarding. I had a friend of mine, Wayne. A friend of mine, Wayne, said to me, I didn't know you liked boats. I said, I don't like boats. I like Andy. <laughs> and I'd really appreciate you don't tell him I don't like boats. Because <laughs> he'll work it out when he's 30. Andy got married a few years ago, moved out of our home, so I sold the boat and bought some Callaways. And I'm on my way back down to a respectable handicap. Look, look at me. Look at me if you're a parent. You, they live under here. Come on, some of you older people, you know I'm, I'm, I'm singing your song sheet. They live under here, under here, 
12, 15 years maximum. They live under here 18 to 20 years. They're out there for 50. You decide how you want to relate to them when they're out there for 50 and it happens here. And one way we've addressed that is, honey, what do you do every single Monday night? Sends out a text. And it says, who's coming for dinner? Because when we had, our kids were so tiny, we used to have, has anyone here struggled with family devotions? Does anyone do family devotions with their family? Like get the old Bible out and read and all that? Um, Phil, it's, it's a hassle, isn't it? When you've got little kids, you know, because I'm a preacher, I want them to sit there, I want them to say amen, I want them to have a prophecy and a word in tongues, you know, I want them to sit there and, well, we just worked out this is not working. So we turned it down, we send one out. You, um, you go up to your room and get a song that you want and bring it back down, you can play it on your tennis racket while we all wash the dishes and, um, and then we'd have a Bible quiz and we'd ask questions like, where is Shrek in the Bible? And that, that's the talking donkey. Come on, who can tell me? Numbers 23. And so we had to totally, totally demystify it um, so that we could have a Sabbath with our family. That morphed into, my kids are teenagers now um, and they would not go out on Monday nights. My kids are married now and they come over every Monday night dinner because mama sends him a text and says who's coming you've got to build these sabbaths you know um, customs uh, traditions into your relationships so that they get strong i got one more and then I want to finish by the way um, if you've got a busy life we had to change birthdays all the time to help you my birthday's the 10th of May you might want to note that and uh (laughs) but it used to be the 20th of February because I'm one of 12 kids and so my mother, um, who had 12 kids in 16 years, looked at me with the two speeds on and moron and said, I've got too many kids at home, someone's got to go to school early. So she went to the school back in the 60s and told them, no, he's just small for his age. His birthday's in February. <laughs> and so she got me into school a year early. I found out about that when I repeated year nine. Come on, if you're my age, you can leave school at 15, correct? And so I said to my mum, I was very put out with having to repeat year nine. I said, well, I'll be leaving at the end of the year. She said, no, you're not. And I said, I will, I'll be 15. She said, no, you're not. And gave me my birth certificate. And that's when I found out my birthday was the 10th of May. So we've been flexible with birthdays for a long time because sometimes my kids got a birthday and I'm in a different city Um, I was away 200 nights one year um, away from our home. But the key is to value it and set a date. You say, listen, dad's away here, but when do you want your birthday? Here, here or here? And we pick it and value it. One more and then I think we'll um, go home. The fourth commandment is this. It says, honour your father and your mother. What does this mean to us in relationships? It simply means that honour the people that have gone before. We had a couple in our church when we had little kids. Their name were Keith and Pam. They are still in that church. They got saved in that church where I pastored. They are still there to this day. Their children um, were about six, seven average older than ours corresponding. So every time I needed advice to raise my kids, I would go to Keith and say, how have you done this? That's called honouring your father and your mother. 
But Pastor Phil, I most came on this as, as, as a pastor because I'd sit in my office and I'd have people come to see me. A lot of women, sometimes men. And they'd talk about problems in their relationship. But then they'd always give this caveat. They'd say, oh, you can't tell my spouse I've come to see you. Now, don't forget I'm not a prophet because some of you feel a bit uncomfortable because you've been this person. I said, if they knew I've come to talk to you, they would be very unhappy. After a good many of these, I had a thought. Who's Susie sitting in an office telling this to? So I went home and asked her. I said, if you weren't happy with me, who would you talk to? And she said, I don't know. I said, well, I'd like to work that out together and then give you permission to talk to them if you need to. I don't want my wife telling the hairdresser that's had five marriages about our little skirmish. Nothing against the hairdresser, but I just thinking I'd like to get a better skill level involvement. So we landed on a couple that to this very day are still that couple. Um, it's funny, as you get older now, I don't care who she tells. But, but we've got other couples. But can I say this to parents? We did this with our children as well. We just decided to lower the shield. I was the pastor of a church. My children were in the church. Who do they get to tell if they're not happy with their mum and dad? So I went to my youth pastor, a guy named Steve at that time. I said, Steve, Susie and I have had a talk. We've got three teenage daughters and um, we just realised that, said, do you ever get the kids talk to you about their parents? And he said, yes. I said, well, we've realised that who would our kids talk to? We don't want them talking to some drug pusher at the school or or some kid at the school from, you know, without our values. I said, now I understand I'm your boss, but if my children come to talk to you about their parents, I will respect that and you will never have to tell me. And we told all of our teenage kids the same thing. I've had a full-time staff of 10 people on our church team. I did the same for them. I said, who would you tell if you were not happy with me? And of course they all don't, oh, no one, oh, no, just Jesus, you know. <laughs> I said, I, I'm just not sure, number one, he wants to listen. And uh, two, uh, so we identified a couple. Pastor Phil, in the last two years, I've had senior team ask, can I go and talk to so-and-so? And I have said, I am duty bound to say yes. And it has greatly helped our relationship, helped us get past things that I think many people do not get past. Friend, I think our time's gone and so we should, I'd love to do you shall not murder. <laughs> I think we need to finish there. I am a Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.